Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. Welcome to the broadcast, everybody. Good to have you here. It is Monday, May 2nd. We say that for all those who are dialed in on a downloaded basis. We appreciate you tuning in and making this a way of getting updates on, the, on what's going on in the industry. We get so many comments about how so many of you are finding this as a valuable resource. We really appreciate it because we're doing it to get information ourselves. It's kind of one of those things where we're glad to be doing this, but we're the benefactors of it along with you, and it's fun to share it with you. So a special thank you to Andy, Alice, Joe, and let's see, we've got Sam, we've got Paul, we've got so many and so many guests to dial in. So we really appreciate all, as they say here in Texas, all you all joining us as we learn more about the industry along with you. So it's great. Today we've got on a hot topic, Joe Dali, and we're really excited. He's dialing in from uh, West Seattle, up in the Seattle area, beautiful country up there, some of my favorite places. Andy is up there on a regular basis. I'm so jealous. And, uh, uh, he is dialing in. We're going to be talking in the Hot Topics segment about technology, and we're really focusing on innovation, especially what's going on in the more mobile world. And so Joel Dahlin has got extensive background in this area, uh, has had some real good successes, and, and we want to hear about what he's up to now. But really, more than anything else, we want to really want to look at what is going on. Are we truly at a pivotal moment as we talked about with Peter Froberg, we were talking about digital, digital disruption. Is it happening? Is it happening through the mobile? I think you're going to find some very interesting information when uh, Joe gets on, Joe Darlene gets on here. Now, we're going to have two Joes on the audience out here, so we go to Joe. I'm going to have to go. I may have to start using last names, though, so I apologize if we uh, sound like we're being rude. But anyway, it's good to have you with us. This broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals, and we are the proudest recipient of the Innovation Award from Progress and Lending. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, ArchMI with their Rate Star program. You're going to hear about that in a little bit. Motivity Solutions with their business intelligence technology, their dashboard tools, the providing real-time reporting and dashboards and scorecards, as well as Velma.com. Velma stands for Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistant. They do a great job of getting the word out on our program. If you're wanting to get uh, signed up and get on the mailing list so you can see what guests are coming, you can go to the website, first of all, but please get a hold of me and email me at david at TMS dash advisors.com advisors the ors there david at tms dash advisors.com we'll get you on the mailing list also i want to say a special thank you to simplify they're one of our sponsors and uh, just up to again to continue sponsoring this once people get into this they realize the reach of our program it's uh they go i think we'll stick around we're getting some results from it so uh, one of the things i want to say thank you to nancy alley met her same time i, I talked with joe it was at the tech conference in la and she's saying, Dave, we actually got calls in business right away off this ad that we're running. So one of the things that Simplifile does is they do real-time chatting and messaging. It's a great tool for when you're trying to track and receive validating documents and data when you're communication is communicating with closing agents. It's so important to be able to have up-to-the-minute, real-time. And you know how texting works. We're all doing it now. Probably doing it where we shouldn't be doing it, but we're all doing it. I'm speaking of driving. And uh, I know I'm getting past that habit. But anyway, the point of it is is you can have real-time electronic communications with your closing agents and it's going to help you when it comes to any compliance issues I encourage you to check it out simplifile.com it's s-i-m-p-l-i-f-i-l-e.com special thank you to dnh they're a sponsor check out mortgage bot and all the suite of products they have a great fintech company based out of Canada has a very innovative products and services. The uh, barometer is one that's coming to America, and uh, very interesting how it measures and um, the, uh, the, the the how strong your underwriters are. It's one application. It virtually can be applied in so many areas. It's not a training tool. It doesn't do what Alice does. Alice does the training part of it, but this identifies issues where your training you may need to focus, Alice, on your training issues. That's how I put it. Also. Mortgage Collaborative just joined us. We're very pleased to be a part of that organization. Check out Mortgage Collaborative, a great association. It's more of a collaboration of the top lenders. You should go check out MortgageCollaborative.com. Get a hold of Rich Zerbinski. 
to join up. We're pleased to be a part of it and hope to see Rich tonight in Ohio. I'm speaking in at the Ohio MBA convention this evening. If you're there, I'd love to see you. Look forward to talking to you. I'm speaking right after Bill Emerson tomorrow. I believe I speak at 10 a.m. Bill speaks at 9, and so we're uh, back-to-back here and uh, going to be speaking at the Ohio Mortgage Banking Conference. Also coming up May 15th through the 18th is the National Secondary Marketing Conference, as well as the Chairman's Conference on June 5th through the 8th in uh, the Breakers. Of course, the Secondary Conference is always in New York, right there at Times Square. I'll be there doing a radio broadcast, and uh, looking forward to seeing many of you there. So you had a great weekend. It was just spent the time in Denver. I flew home from New York on uh, Thursday, flew out of, of uh, Saturday morning early, I uh, was at dinner at a Compliance Eases Conference, User Conference, had a great time speaking there. <laughs> what a great group of people. Uh, it was really amazing to me the high, the caliber of the people are there. One of the individuals I met who was, we were inviting him to come to the radio program is the, the director that handles all the state uh, licensing agencies. He works with every one of the uh, commissioners for all the state licensing agencies and a lot going on with NMLS. So uh, I'll tell you all about that. We're going to have him on as a guest uh, later on here as soon as we can get him scheduled. Working on that right now. Check out Mortgage Alliance at the MBA website. That's the that's all I got for announcements right now. Um, so they're so important. I don't want to race through them, but I also want to find out what's going on in the markets. Joe, I opened up as I do every morning the MBS Bolt line, and I was looking at the screen and I'm going, "What the heck?" It looked like it was well, starting down when it first. Spiked yeah, most of, it was up but, early, but most of that uh, most of the prices being up uh, uh, occurred before most people put their price sheets out. So. Oh, okay. Really, since since about nine o'clock Eastern time this morning, we've been in a fairly tight range between uh, flat to f- where we ended Friday and and down three or four. So it's uh, it looks a little volatile, but it's really in a pretty narrow range so far today. Um, you know, the market had some information to react to, but really saw no reaction to the ISM index. It came out a little lower than expected. Uh, but it was nice to see for the second month in a row it was above 50, which means expansion, and that followed five months in a row of uh, below 50, which is contraction. Yeah. So uh, maybe we're on the right path there. Uh, construction spending also came out this morning, and, and it came in a little short of expectations. Uh, but it is. It's a lagging report. It's measuring construction projects that were completed in March. So uh-huh. at this point, it's kind of older data. And uh, it dials up a little bit today. Last time I looked, it was up about 70 basis points. Uh, but going to next, last week, Dave, it was really a good week for mortgage rates. I mean, not a not a big move, but uh, improved. MBS prices improved about 40 points and basis points, and and uh, that caused rates to fall about five or six basis points. And most of that movement occurred after the Fed meeting uh, statement that came out on uh, Wednesday. We saw a nice improvement on Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, The statement was viewed by uh, the market as being a little more dovish than uh, had been anticipated. There was a comment in there about economic activity appears to have slowed since the last meeting, and that that helped people to uh, feel more comfortable about the future of Fed funds rate hikes and and, uh, the potential for inflation, and so uh, MBS prices improved. Uh, Soon after that, the Bank of Japan uh, had their announcement. You know, we had the ECB last uh, two weeks ago, the Fed and Bank of Japan last week. Bank of Japan chose to do nothing, uh, which was, you know, surprised half the investors and didn't surprise the other half. There was a lot of uh, there was there was no real consensus as to what they might do, uh, and you know they've never been as big a market mover as the Fed certainly or the ECB, but uh, they didn't do anything as far as more stimulus, and and so uh, there was very little reaction to what what they want. The fact that they did uh, nothing. Uh, let's think. The economic data that came out last week, of course, GDP first look at first quarter GDP came out at, at up five tenths, uh, up seven tenths was expected. You know, those are pretty lousy numbers, but uh, uh, not too far off of what was expected. And you know, the the last three years we've seen very weak first quarters, followed by you know imp- yeah. substantially improved second, third, and fourth quarters. Uh, uh, such that, and the same is expected this year to where we probably end the year around 2%. 
Interesting. The, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the other data. The other data that came out last week was really pretty mixed, you know, starting with the housing data, which was mixed. New home sales were short of uh, the prior month. Uh, pending home sales uh, rose to the best level in, in almost a year. So, uh, you know, and when you want the pending home sales better than the new home sales because pending home sales make up 90% of the market. New home sales are about 10. So we, we got the good end of that one. Durable orders rose, uh, but by less than what was expected. And both consumer confidence and consumer sentiment fell short of the prior month and expectations, so a little disappointing there. And then uh, I got a nice uh, reading on core PCE. Uh, After several months of rising core PCE uh, up to 1.7% in February on an annualized basis, it fell back to 1.6% 1.6% in March, and so it's nice to see that trend of rising PCA, uh, core PCE um, broken, right. and maybe it'll take a little pressure off the Fed there. Uh, this week really is pretty quiet, Dave, for, uh, you know, we got the jobs week, so up until then, we really only have the ISM services, which comes out on Wednesday. Uh, I guess piece, uh, ADP comes out before that, ADP, but, yeah. you know, that yeah, that's not usually a market mover. When the non-farm payrolls comes out, they'll be comparing it to an expectation of 190,000 net new jobs added, unemployment rate uh, expected to stay the same at 5%, and then average hourly earnings, which is you know needs to get more attention in that it is a very uh, large contributor to inflation. You know, it's expected right. to rise at three tenths again this month, same as last month. So well, that's and, it. And that one I'm. Yeah, that's one that I have not been looking at. I looked at your website on Sunday as I was getting ready today to do today's Mortgage Minute, and I go, average earnings, that's an interesting – I have not – I don't remember seeing that up there on your website before. I'm sure you had it there. I just didn't notice it, and it's uh, one that should get some attention. Well, yeah, it's it's an inflation indicator, but also if we start seeing some wage growth, uh, then at least there's a chance that we're going to see more people get – Older about getting into the housing market, but it's a sure. double-edged sword. They may be paying higher rates if we're seeing too much in that area. So good stuff. Ever appreciate it, Joe. Excellent. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate You're it. welcome. And the, and the it, it's really fun, Joe. And when I was in Denver, several people came up and they called. I love listening to Joe Farr's comments about the you know the housing market. He's got a great style. And it was a couple Texans. They go, and it's nice to hear you got a Texan. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He is. Anyway, I got a chuckle out of that. A true Texan. Good right? to have you. A true Texan, yeah. Then there's there's imposters like me. Andy's a true Texan. He was born here, but I was, and I got here as quickly as I could, as they say. So appreciate you, Joe, very much for the work you do and your website, and it's a valuable resource. And, folks, if you want to learn more about how to get signed up for this service, Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Paul Mallow after the break. Economic uncertainty has created a tremendous amount of market volatility for the past few weeks. Intraday price changes seem the rule rather than the exception. Have you been surprised by a midday price change? Have you been frustrated as you locked the loan just ahead of a price movement? Found it difficult to explain to a customer why the rate you quoted is no longer available? MBS Quoline can eliminate these frustrations. MBS Quoline monitors Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Ginny Mae mortgage-backed security prices in real time. It makes the information conveniently available on your desktop, smartphone, or by email or text message. These are the same prices used to set mortgage rates each morning and to issue midday price changes when significant movement occurs. With MBS Quoteline, you'll never be out of touch with the market, whether you're in the office or on the road. See for yourself what MBS Quoteline can do for you. Go to mbsquoteline.com to start a risk-free two-week trial. mbsquoteline.com. 646-716-4972. The Lickin on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lickin. Good to have you with us, everybody. Again, this is Monday, May 2nd, and we've got Paul Mallow here on the line. I'm looking at Paul. Good to have you with us. Hi, David. There. Sorry, we're not just outside the Beltway, and the, all, the, all the craziness is going on with the election. Uh, one what of the things on your website... What election? <laughs> yeah, like what craziness. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Whoever would have thought. I I don't know if you remember, several months ago, uh, back in the spring or summer, you asked me if Trump was for real and whether it was going to last. Yeah. You know, I said, I I didn't think so. (laughs) Boy, was I wrong. 
Wow. Well, Woo. you were uh, you and a million other pundits because I tell you, there's a. This is just really interesting. It's it's fascinating what we yeah. did. So we had some fun on Saturday. I pretended Donald Trump called me as I was walking up to the platform to speak. Kind of freaked out the person I was speaking to. I can't believe he's taking a phone call up there. But I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, teasing Don Lamp about uh, about some comments. But I'm looking at your website. By the way, folks, if you're not signed up to receive the newsletter, imfnews.com, you're making a mistake, you're missing something. Uh, one of the things that really leaped out of here, there's a lot of great stories here I want you to run through, but if you wouldn't mind starting with a solution to student loan debt, roll it into a purchase mortgage, what the heck? Yeah, don't... Yeah, don't hold your breath on that one. Uh, you know, we throw these things out here it. sometimes um, thinking, you know, it's an interesting idea. Uh, yeah. the, the problem is it, it's being offered by a company we really don't know much about, Berkley, uh, Berkey Loan, Inc. Their website is pretty sparse. They've rolled out this concept where basically if you have student loan debt and you're buying a house, it looks like you can roll it into the loan amount. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm not familiar with the company. Uh, Brandon Ivy of our staff who's very good wrote the story. Uh, let's you know. Let's see how many loans they write, and and you know these aren't right. going to be sold to Fannie and Freddie, obviously, or FHA, uh, and they're going to put yeah. them in an investment fund. And the question is, well, how much money do they have behind them, and you know what kind of volume can they do? So you know that's like the number four or five story in the uh, queue today. No, but you know I I like writing about new products. I like publishing I did stories. I love, I love that our editors do. come up, uh, editors and reporters come up with these things. Because you never know. Uh, so we threw that out there. Um, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens with that. Uh, the lead story, you know, we, we measure the servicing data all the time. We collect our own surveys. We crunch the Fannie Freddie data. Uh, probably no surprise there, the middle-tier companies, the middle-tier servicers, uh, you know, they continue to gobble away uh, at market share. The big boys continue to reduce their market share, reduce their servicing. This has been an ongoing story for three or four years right now. You know, I guess the question is when does this end? Um, but, you know, I, I see no end in sight. I, I don't see, you know, the big guys seeding their business totally. But certainly, the, you know, in the current regulatory atmosphere, uh, you know, the non-banks have, you know, plenty of uh, plenty of room to move up. And we'll we'll see what happens uh, if there's a change in administrations, whether Republican or Democrat, uh, what happens to the CFPB, their whole future, whether uh, the, the the coming regulatory environment is seen as uh, more favorable for mortgage bankers and banks in general. You know, I've heard it both ways. I've heard people tell me, uh, even if a new Democrat gets in there, let's presume it's Hillary Clinton, that, you know, she's going to be a little more open to hearing uh, you know the industry's gripes. Uh, you know about too much excessive regulation, and and you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, and the Republicans, of course, if they they get in, they'll you know obviously roll things back or try to. But you know we have a long way to go. So it's speculating. Yeah, one on thing that, that right Don Lampy too early. Yeah, one thing Don Lampy uh, said that was really interesting from the podium at the conference uh, in Denver was that he thinks that they're already preparing, if, assuming that Trump wins, that they're. Uh, getting ready to do a for-cause termination of Cordray. And I thought that was an interesting observation, that some of the things that are going on right now uh, might have something. I can't wait for Alice's segment to hear about the latest announcement that came out um, on that. But it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see how politics is definitely playing into it. But yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. So Fannie and Freddie and multifamily and all the other stuff, and you've got a lot of great information up here. Yeah, well, we'll quickly run through the uh, the other stories. Uh, uh, Kingston Capital Management, Kingston, I should say, uh, they reduced their stake in Auckland. Auckland has been one of these stories we've been reporting on for years. Huge loss in the first quarter. They lost $715 million in 2014-15. Uh, you know, they're still not buying servicing. They got a boatload of problems ahead of them before they work through their problems, their stock's down to two bucks and change, uh, you know, ongoing story, ongoing, uh, interesting story, and I better not say much more about it because you never know what's coming out of left field on that one. It, uh, an interesting story, servicing transfers, bulk servicing transfers declined noticeably in the first quarter. Maybe that's not surprising because rates fell. We're going to keep a track on that. We have that on uh, IMF News today as well. We talked about the student loan mortgage debt. Uh, Fannie and Freddie, listen, uh, these guys own the multifamily market. Uh, they could have hit $100 billion in securitizations this year. You know, a couple of years ago when um, Mel Watt's uh, predecessor, DeMarco, was in there, he toyed with, you know, selling the uh, multifamily business of Fannie and Freddie or getting one out of it. 
you know, that's the last thing in the world <laughs> apartment investors want because they get cheap borrowing because Fannie and Freddie are in that business, and, and boy, do they have a big chunk of it right now. Uh, short yeah. takes, a couple of quick things. Freddie Mac comes out with earnings tomorrow. The big story there, the speculation there is, you know, whether, A, they're, a, they're going to post a loss, and why would they post a loss? Because they have big hedging marks. But did they have big hedging marks this quarter? We don't know that. Otherwise, their operating earnings uh, continue to be in the black. Um, and, you know, if they do post a large enough loss because of hedging marks, will they need a draw from the U.S. Treasury? Uh, right now, the early betting uh, is no, they won't need a draw. But, heck, we don't even know if they're going to post a loss. So, you know, these are, these are smart people, and, and the Fifth is yeah. keeping a close eye on this. They knew rates were going to fall, or maybe they didn't, but they, they were preparing for falling rates in the first quarter. Uh, my guess is they had to adjust their hedging strategies to take that into account. So, But, hey, tomorrow morning, I think it's 8 a.m., we'll know what that number is. Um, so that's all the good stuff. Uh, it's all on www.imfnews.com. Lots of good stuff there. Paul, thanks so much for dialing in and being and sharing what's on the, on the website. We, we appreciate the partnership with you, my friend. Sure. Have Thank a you. good rest of the day. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Alice Alvey, what's uh, what's going on up there in Detroit? Well, hi, Dave. Yep, I'm, we're picking up on a few new trails here that, uh, or I should say bills and proposed rules that we want to make sure everyone's aware of. So um, I think that's been in the news a little bit that the CFPB plans to propose a TRID amendment sometime coming up this summer. So it's always a little dicey when they put something out on the table to say, okay, we're going to do this. <laughs> we don't yet know what it is. Um, but according to the letter that uh, Director Cordray issued, you know, he's uh, identifying that there's a lot of stuff sitting out there in webinars and in conferences that has been said. But then if you've ever attended an event where the CFTB is speaking, they always say, well, nothing that I say to you today can be used in an audit. You know, you have to. So yeah. you're going, okay, well, why am I here then? Um, but in any case, <laughs> so they're going to now take a look at, they have a lot of information out there. They need to get their own folks on the same page too. So this proposed rule is supposedly going to summarize a lot of the stuff that's in their, their loose information and give us one place to use as a reference. Now, I think we would all welcome that. So we'll be watching it to see exactly what's included and what the next steps are from there. I mean, it should work its way to being a final rule so we all have something to hang on to in a, in a scenario for right of action. I think that's what we're, the industry is really looking for is, okay, as long as they go through this process and there's a lot of substance in there, does it then in turn, you know, have, turn into something that can hold up in court for um, any of these great areas where we need some clarity. Uh, so that's that component. Nothing officially out yet. We'll just be watching it for you all. Um, I think there's been a little bit of talk about this whole payday installment loan thing, so the CFTB taking action against that um, online lead aggregator. So it is a separate business, but at the same time, when you start looking at how CFTB is looking at these entities, that is what makes it uh, something that we're all going to watch closely. So um, they did talk about the lead aggregator steering customers towards lenders offering less favorable loans. Um, so we're still trying to kind of get to the bottom of if I'm a lender and I am using a lead aggregator or I am part of one of those uh, services, what's my obligation to that aggregator making sure that, you know, the business is fair. So analyze, make sure you know your business partners. That's rule number one out of this. And then rule number two um, that we're getting from this is just take a look at what you're getting and make sure that you feel you're getting, you know, fair and consistent distribution. That's just good for business anyway. Um, the Flood Insurance Market Parity and Modernization Act, H.R. 2109, um, came out to try and help homeowners who do get private mortgage insurance, I'm sorry, private flood insurance, um, flood instead insurance, of yeah. going through the National Flood Insurance Program. And then they end up having to go back to the NFIP or vice versa. So um, in this scenario, trying to make sure that homeowners don't get hit for a higher rate if they have to go back to the flood insurance um, they can keep their low rate as long as the private insurance they change to meet state requirements. Um, so, again, offering that if I'm able to get um, private insurance, I want to be able to um, keep that, have that be adequate as long as it's a lower rate. And so a couple things going on in that bill that um, I think will help a lot of folks throughout the country. 
Um, FHA did post uh, Title I uh, section for draft, and so that's up to all of those of you who still do maybe, you know, manufactured homes that aren't permanently fixed. Um, that's out there for checking. And then FHA Connection updated its 203 calculator, long overdue, so we're excited about that. Um, so that's my quick update for today, Dave. One reminder for everybody on FUMDA reporting. Um, we are looking um, at a home, uh, a HUMDA bill. It is uh, just came out, H.R. 4997. And it does look like for depositories, uh, Congress is going to try and get involved to get uh, change the small little loop that was created. So small depositories under the current HUMDA rule, if they only close 25 units of closed end, they'd have to report. This bill, H.R. 4997, is going to change that back to 100 um, and 200 for HELOCs or open end um, over a two-year period. So I think small banks will be watching that one and wanting to participate to get that through. Um, less Humda reporting makes everybody happy. So <laughs> that's my, there's my update for today, Dave. And uh, if anybody needs help with their Humda reports, we've got a brand new process that we'd love to share with you on how we can check your reports efficiently and quickly. Oh, good. Yeah, they better do it because there's enough changes going on in that area where it's good to get that double checked. Measure twice, cut yeah. once. I like that. Have you be one of the one of the measuring sticks out there, Alice? Thank you so much. Uh, lots of comments about the uh, the possibility of the trid rewrite. A lot of comments are coming in. One question that came in, I want to answer real quickly. Several people asked. Uh, one particular person down the southwest part of the country asked, uh, "Where is Alice speaking next?" I want to. Uh, She'd like to be oh, well, that, <laughs> well, actually, my calendar's a little light in the immediate coming months, um, so I have uh, been busy internally. I just finished speaking at the Federal Home Loan Bank of Indianapolis. I'm going to be speaking at their uh, since Federal Home Loan Bank Cincinnati at the end of the year. But uh, we've been talking a lot about efficiencies. So um, if anybody would like me to come out to their event, give me a call. I love it. Yeah, I'll be up in Michigan speaking at the MMLA. Looking forward to seeing you up there and being there again this year. So it'll be a lot of fun. Joanne asked me to come up and speak. Uh, looking forward to seeing you again, and always fun to have you on the program. Appreciate it so much. If you want to learn more about Alice Alvey, Indicom, and MortgageU, stay tuned. We'll be right back with Sam Garcia right after this brief word. You have questions about mortgage regulations? Indicom MortgageU has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. I love it when our listeners, that's so many of you, I know you now, gotten to know you through the years, and I thank you. Yeah, that was clunky. I agree. That was kind of a clunky uh, exit there uh, between the two. What I was trying to say is if you want to learn more, listen to this ad. And then we have Sam Garcia coming up, and I've just turned on mics. The mic for Sam Garcia. Sam, good to have you here, my friend. I'm also over here at your website. Always good fun to have your MortgageDaily.com. Folks, if you're not subscribed to this one, be sure to do so. Let's run through some of the headlines you're tracking. Yeah, uh, you know, along the lines of your comments about politics, um, I watched the White House Correspondents' Dinner on Saturday. And, and, you know, that event is effectively like the Oscars for the news industry. Um, And I must say, I, I think... I think President Obama is a funny guy. I know he's got some good writers, but his delivery just uh, pretty much it's funny. It was funnier than. I'm I'm sorry. It was. Uh, he's a, he is a good speaker, but the, yeah, but uh, and, but anyway, I, I I don't want to go into politics. This term's ending up so ending, so we'll focus on the future. <laughs> I almost made something. But he he did have a lot of jokes about Trump and. He even had some there about Bernie Sanders, who was actually in attendance, and uh, he was especially hard on uh, news organizations like uh, CNN. But uh, it was a good show. Oh, really? Anyway, uh, yeah, yes, yes. 
So uh, the, the first thing I want to cover is our mortgage market index, which tumbled 17% last week. Um, and, of course, that index is a measure of average per user rate locks by clients of open close. And what drove down last week's activity was the refinance business, which was uh, down by a quarter from a week earlier. So for, on a weekly basis, at least, uh, refinances took a tumble. Um, we put out uh, a report this morning on agency mortgage-backed securities issuance, um, and that indicates we, – we get that data, of course, from EMBS – that fixed-rate uh, agency issuance climbed 10% from March to uh, April uh, to wind up at $106 billion in April. Um, and that increase was led by Jenny May, had a spectacular month. Issuance soared 22% at Jenny um, from March to nearly $39 billion. And in fact, it was the best month for Jenny since August 2015. And of course, Jenny now regularly ex exceeds uh, Freddie Mac in uh, its monthly issuance. Um, FHA put out some data that we took a look at, and we came up with uh, roughly up $18 billion uh, in residential loans that were endorsed by FHA during February. That wasn't much change from January, but new applications during the month point to a decent increase in March. So FHA business looks like it could be on the upswing. Uh, another good thing that happened uh, from the data we got was 30-day delinquency tumbled 148 basis points, and that, that's including uh, foreclosures and bankruptcy. So it's good to see uh, when delinquency is down at FHA because it's typically uh, been a little bit rougher than some of the overall market. Um, always like to point out some good players out there who are seeing success, and one of those is Movement Mortgage. Um, although you know most companies have been reporting a decline in uh, originations during the first quarter of this year, Movement actually saw their business rise uh, just one percent but it was up, um, and also its servicing portfolio and its staff grew. So uh, they're continuing to grow, and they've been getting a lot of attention. I even see them on social media, a lot of people pointing to their activity. Another company that reported a, a rise was uh, Flagstar, which said its mortgage originations were up 9% in the first quarter to $6.4 billion. Um, again, one of the few court lenders to report a quarter-over-quarter quarter increase. And has you know what's what we've seen a, a lot in these first quarter reports from the publicly traded companies is that applications and rate locks are suggesting that there's a nice improvement uh, ahead for the second quarter. So that's we expect to see uh, you know loan originations, mortgage loan originations uh, head up for the second quarter when that report comes out. You know they'll start coming out in July, of course. Um, Genworth reported uh, an increase. They said their new business. Even though it, uh, it's, I'm sorry, it slipped between the fourth and the first quarter to 7.4 billion. It's a book of business grew, and its default rate tumbled. And in addition, its pre-tax earnings improved. Um, I'm, I'm talking, of course, just about Genworth Mortgage Insurance, not the whole entire company. Um, we we got some information from the CFPB, and, and it indicates that. Uh, overall complaints for financial services firms were up 10% from a year earlier. And at the same time, when you just look at just mortgage companies, complaints were up 21%. So still a little bit of excess growth and complaints happening there. Um, and among mortgage firms, Freedom Mortgage had the biggest percentage increase on a year-over-year -year basis, though they still have uh, an average monthly rate of less than 30 complaints. So it's not a massive problem, but it was the biggest jump. Um, finally, uh, Aquin reported that its mortgage origination slipped 1% to just under a billion dollars in the first quarter. And its servicing portfolio was down by about $7 billion. And in addition, it suffered about $102 billion pre-tax loss. Um, also last week, the monitor for the National Mortgage Settlement, Joseph Smith Jr., reported that Aquin can't foreclose on some borrowers who were denied a modification until it gets proper notices set, sent to that particular group of people. So uh, those are some of our headlines from the last week, some of the most important at least. And that's yeah, what's going on. Good website. Love it. For those of you who are not familiar with it, go to MortgageDaily.com or get a hold of Sam at 214-521-1300. Get signed up or email Sam at SamGarcia at MortgageDaily.com. Sam, thanks so much. Have a great rest of the day, my friend. You Appreciate too. It. Talk to you soon. All right, you bet. Normally I would play the uh, ad for uh, ArchMI right now.
We have them. Uh, I uploaded a new recording that Jim Jump sent me, and it's just not playing, so I apologize for that. One of the things I want to call attention to, though, when it comes to ArchMI is the fact that they have their new RateStar program. It is innovative as anything I have seen. And I was looking at the risk-based pricing and how it calculates the MI premium. And there's such a really unique feature in there. The way this is programmed, you see the benefits. You really need to get a hold of your ArchMI representative to have them come in and show you the impact that this app could have in saving you money. At the end of the day, isn't it all about the mortgage payment? That's what so many consumers are looking for. And if you can do anything you can, anything you can do to help them save money, that's the way to go about it. Check out ArchMI, their website, uh, at, our, at, at, at Liquid on Lending radio program. Click on their ad there, or just go out to ArchMI. Could to have Jim and the group there at ArchMI be a part of the radio program. Really appreciate their advertising with us. Andy Shell. Now, Andy, is, I'm going to drag this out of him because he's been doing some writing. Andy, is, as you know, is probably one of the best teachers out there. He's doing some more webinars. want to hear about that. But he wrote me and says, I'm writing about Santa Claus, the carpenter, and the mortgage banker. And I'm going, it's a bottom line measurement. Uh, i got to go, okay. Al's talked about measuring twice. What are you up to with how do you connect all of that? Your, your ability <laughs> to connect abstract is pretty amazing. Well, hey, Dave. Thanks. Great to be on the show again. And so, yeah, I'll, uh, I have three things I wanted to hit on today, and I'll start with um, Santa Claus, the carpenter, and the mortgage banker. When we think about Santa Claus checking his list twice, one of the things that we know in order for him to determine who's been naughty and nice is you have to know what it means. What's naughty mean? So what, what are the criteria for naughty and what are the criteria for nice? So Santa Claus has an objective measure he uses to apply to children's behavior so that he can then have a, a, a litmus test to apply to that so he can then put them on the appropriate list. And then after he puts them on the list, what does he do? He checks it twice. Now, yeah. a carpenter, you know, a carpenter measures twice and cuts once most once. of the time. Yep. And so, but again, they have a way to measure. They use inches, and they have a tape measure, or they have a laser finder, or they have tools. It's not just a random thing. We always start with the end, which was measure twice, cut once. But it's how do you measure? How do you know you're doing the right length? How do you know the door's going to fit? How do you know the curtains are the right width? So there, there's more to it, and that's part of the the point I'm bringing out in this, it's a kind of an introduction to some webinars we're going to be teaching, but mortgage bankers do the same thing. We have to follow all kinds of rules. We have to have policies based on regulations that then become procedures that we implement and follow. And as, we doing, as we're doing what we're doing, we have to check it twice. We have to measure, one, measure twice, cut once. And you know, when you, when you think about mortgage banking, I actually like this commercial that's on TV right now. The mantra that I teach over and over and over is do it right the first time. Do it quickly. Don't go slow. Do it quickly, but do it right the first time. And there's a lawnmower commercial out, Dave, that you've maybe seen, but it says it's not how fast you mow. It's how well you mow fast. And I wish uh, that good. people would just put that on their board. It's not – how fast you mow, it's how well you mow fast, and that's like mortgage that. banking. We've always got people yelling at us, the borrower, the realtor, internally, the originator, the owner. It's like everybody's go faster, go faster, go faster. And when you go faster, go faster, go faster, you make mistakes, and mistakes lead to risk, and risk leads to consequence, and you end up with CFP bad things and repurchase demands and unsaleable loans. So everybody knows. You've got to do it right the first time. But when the rubber meets the road, it's that discipline to stick to the checklist and make sure you did it right the first time. So Santa Claus can do it, so why can't we? That's my point. Why can't Great point. I so, love that. Uh, I was trying to figure out how you're tying that all together. So. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how you're tying that all together, but now I got it. It was good. Santa Claus, you know, checks yeah. it for another nice list, and they checks it once. He checks it twice. That's good. I like that. I like that. Gets us out yeah. of that. You're a great teacher, Andy, and I encourage people to get a hold of these webinars. When are the webinars coming up? Give us a real quick rundown on well, those. Well, yeah, two last real quick things, Dave. The webinars, we're going to be starting in June, and we're going to be teaching technology ROI, return on investment in technology. Mm -hmm. It's a two-part series. It's about how to make technology be what you expected it to be and have it actually improve your bottom line, and that's June 21st and June 28th both through MBA. 
Mortgage Bankers Association MBA Education. And then in July, we're teaching mortgage servicing and subservicing. First, an overview on July 20th, and then diving into the details of servicing and subservicing on July the 27th. Again, both through the MBA. And as I wrap up my segment, because we all want to hear what Joe has to say, I wanted to mention to the listeners just real quickly, it's a bit of an ad, it's a little self-serving, but it could be good for some folks because we're working with an FDIC bank. And this FDIC bank has a little mortgage operation, and they want to get bigger. They want to invest in a mortgage company. And they don't want to replace management. They want to keep management in place. They want a good team that they can partner with. So they want to put millions of dollars into a regional, smaller, maybe $100 million, $200 million mortgage company and participate on the board level but put lots of money in to make the company grow. So, Dave, thanks for letting me hit that. If any of the listeners want to talk yeah. to me about oh, getting money in their company from an FDIC bank as a capital investment so you can grow your business and help defend against CFPB issues, give me an uh, email, andy at mbs-team.com. Or you can andy, email Dave at emsadvisors.com. Yeah, that's exactly right. We'll get you over there. But to get a hold of Andy at andy at mbs-team.com. Good. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate it so much. Looking forward to getting Thanks, on to our guest here. It's so it's, uh, we've, we've, uh, I met Joe Darlene when I was at the tech conference. I've actually known of Joe and talked to him several times, but I really got a chance to sit down and visit with him at the tech conference, and I really start picking up just how sharp this guy is on technology. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome Joe Darlene to the microphone. Joe, good to have you with us. Appreciate you dialing in this Monday morning from West Seattle. Hey, thanks a lot, David. It's great to be here. And uh, with such an esteemed group of uh, guests you had here beforehand, I hope I can live up to this opportunity. <laughs> well, I mean, I just hope I hope we can get across as much information as we covered when you and I were visiting in preparation of this uh of this call. It was just fascinating conversation. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. So let's dive right into some of the to- topics. Well, first of all, for those several, some said, who's Joe Darlene? Give a brief, someone just shot me a quick note. Says, Joe, so Joe, give us a little bit of your background. You've been in the mortgage business for 20 plus years, if I recall correctly. And uh, I thought you were fairly well known, but for those that don't, give us a little background on yourself. Yeah, I'm 21 years uh, in the mortgage space, uh, mostly on the origination side, wholesale, retail, uh, call centers. I've, I've done a, quite a bit of gamut of that piece. Um, since two, from 2007 to 2012, I was on the board at Zillow. To helped out with the Zillow Mortgage Marketplace, if you know what that is. Um, yes. I started a couple companies yeah. after that and during that time. And um, now, uh, since October, um, I uh, launched a company uh, and a product called TaxDoor, and it just got acquired in February. So, um, so I'm on the vendor side now, not on the lending side, which is kind of unusual for me, but it's fun. I like to see what these guys are doing on this side. So it's kind of fun. Are you one of those, is, are you one of those guys that gets an idea in the morning, creates a company by at lunch and then sells it by evening? I mean, I love the tech world. It moves fast. That's amazing. That, 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 that sounds like a quick <laughs> turn for you. It's, 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 it's a little that's bit what, more than that, especially in the mortgage business, but, uh, but yeah, uh, this yeah. tax work thing has been brewing for quite some time. And I've been sitting on the board of a couple companies. Um, one of them is Form Free, which is the account check product for digital verification deposits and assets. And uh, my friends over in Boston at Easy Mortgage Apps. So I've been focusing and helping those guys yeah. out for a few years too as well. I also sit on the board of a um, uh, of a uh, social media company out of uh, New York and uh, Emeryville, California, called Foller. And um, and so I do some fun stuff that way. But um, well, but that's not the topic of today's conversation. Yeah, well, you're really connected to what's going on, and it's really about transforming the customer experience. So I'd like to start off by asking you, how do you go about doing that? What are the best ways, the most effective ways to going about transforming the customer experience? Well, I'd like to say about uh, the transforming the customer experience is really reducing friction. It's all about reducing friction. Um, and what does that really mean? Well, if you want a person to do business with you, you have to give them the opportunity to do business with you. And in today's of highly regulated type environment, um, we want to try to put as much of that stuff as we can in writing. Um, so I think the best way to improve the customer experience is 
to just reduce friction and helping them get a chance to do business with you. And that could be via upfront pricing where people could opt in and send themselves a, a text or an email of today's pricing. And then you got them once they, once they, once they got on that piece. But if you really want to reduce friction, you probably should do it from the angle of getting a hold of the consumers on their mobile device. Once you have that, you pretty much have free reign. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like trying to get a girlfriend's phone number, right? If you can get if you can get into her mobile phone, you, you're, you're kind of good, right? Yeah, once you got that, then you're good. Alice, let's toss the mic over to you for a minute here. She's scrambling to unmute again. You, Alice, are you still there? Yes, sorry about that. Well, Hi, hey, welcome to the program. So this is a big thing, right? Trying to get all of, uh, especially in the mortgage industry, everything that we have that folks can access it from their cell phones. So um, what do you think about, you know, the whole application process? Are we really there that someone can, you know, apply online all the way through the process? Have you seen how that helps uh, really? Are we really reducing the friction? Have we gotten all the way there yet? Great question, Alice, as usual. Um, I I just have to say that, you know, yes, I can't imagine anybody filling out, you know, uh, 156 fields of data that have to go to Fannie Mae that's going to come off the top of your head or out of your wallet on a mobile device. So the best way to do that is to leverage other type of sources to make it easier to to capture your audience on the mobile device. That would be, you know, either a social sign-in via LinkedIn, so you could fill in the application that way. Um, there have been a couple innovative companies that have really pushed forward uh, to try to capture the, the 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 driver's license up front, and not like we used to do in the old days, Alice. As we remember, we used to take the driver's license. Um, from uh, from the customers, and we used to take a picture of the of the front of the driver's license. Well, today we really want to capture the back of the driver's license because that provides all of the information that we're going to need um, in our in our presentations and, and and drawing in that data to reduce that friction. So where it started to happen really is in the fintech side of the business um, that I've been following for quite some time, and that has really been uh, new account openings at banks and credit unions. So those who have jumped on that fintech bandwagon and have been part of this whole piece have found ways to reduce friction. And now we're starting to see the generational piece that's happened and the two, over $2 billion of investment into FinTech over the last couple of years when all of these companies are now finally coming to roost and they're starting to come out. So there's some really innovative type applications to really reduce friction and to move this thing along. Will we get to the point where somebody will fill out an application on their mobile device? No way. You can't do it with your thumb. But there are a lot of things that you can do, including the product and pricing engine, right? So if your product and pricing engine is mobile enabled and you can use your thumb to quickly, if you're standing in front of an open house, for example, and you can you know, drag in the subject property or grab that listing data and all of a sudden run some payments really quick to get yourself a pre-approval letter while you're standing in front of the house, now that's exciting, right? How much more you need to do after that, I'm not so sure, right? There has to be the ability for a one-click call to the representative, and somebody's got to be there on nights and weekends to answer. Some of the stats that we wanted to cover today is, did you realize that now there's 414 million members on LinkedIn and 57% of all the members that come to LinkedIn only come from their mobile device? Um, look, at, look at the traffic at Zillow. Obviously, uh, um, the, the, the Zillow group and the Zillow family of companies. Yeah, check out this stat for you. 75% of all night and weekend traffic at Zillow is only from the mobile device. Only from the mobile device, right? So think about things to reduce friction, Alice, is thinking about things. What are consumers mostly doing nowadays? They're always with their phone. If I look at these stats today, desktop usage is actually higher than a mobile app, but it's definitely not higher than what the mobile web is. What I like about what you brought up is people seem to be so worried about the rocket mortgage or, you know, doing the whole mortgage application. You've already brought up some great ideas of what they really want that they can access faster. So, great. Are there any more stats to share? Yeah. uh, One of the stats that I thought was pretty incredible that that, that keeps on coming up has really been for for Comscore. And I I look at the multi-generational stuff that's happening in the mortgage business today, and we have this, you know, huge group of millennials that people are really, really focused on, and and partly because of us, because, you know, we like to market and hype hype it up a bit. But the stats show that now mobile, as far as digital Internet is concerned, 51% of the time that people spend on the Internet as of 
as of 2015, this is not 2016, this is 2015 stats from Comscore, 51% of all total Internet usage is from the mobile device. Only, only like uh, 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 laptops and, uh, and desktops only account for 42%, right? So you can see already how much we're using this wow. mobile device. And, and for me, Alice, I, I think it's not so much the mobile device. It's also what type of mobile device. Are you on the smartphone? You're on the tablet? You're on the desktop? We're seeing in the mornings you're on their phone. During the midday, you're on your laptop or work desktop. At nights, what are you on? You're, you're multitasking. You're watching TV. You're on your iPad or your tablet device. And, and that's really skyrocketed, right? So it all depends what time of day that you're on. So you start need to thinking about this today. If your customers are always mobile and you're trying to get a hold of them, holy cow, if you're trying to send them an email so they can download your documents to wet sign those documents for them to scan them back or fax them back, frankly, we don't have fax machines anymore. There's not even a typewriter out there anymore that you can find, right? So <laughs> it's moving at a, such a faster pace. If you want to get a hold of your clients, they're going to be on the mobile, right? And there's way too much data that's available nowadays for us to consume and inject into our loan application without asking the question, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, these little pertinent questions about, you know, uh, things that you have, to, you have to get really nitty gritty on to fill out an application. So it's really moving much faster now. So those are some of the other stats I just wanted to share. Interesting. That's wow, Joe, that's amazing. I mean, yeah. we could talk for hours just on what you've already mentioned. That's so exciting. I'm actually sitting here thinking about that because when you first say mobile devices, I think phone, and I go, well, I mean, my 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 phone. But really, it's broader. It's those iPads, it's the bigger iPads, and you can really be functional on those. And all this data moving around, and how are you going to get to it? How are you going to use it? What are you going to do with it? And you know, we've been talking about data mining for a long time, and big data is a big buzzword today. So, so bring it back home for us now. How, how does all of this apply to mortgage? Good point. So, so when I talk about the consumer experience, that's where I've been really focused on the last few years, and I've been really passionate about that, about how to perfect this consumer experience and and to to, to reduce that friction to make them go further. And I think you. I, I demonstrate that by telling you that I've been on the boards of a couple of mobile companies, uh, this mobile company, uh, Easy Mortgage Apps, and doing a lot of stuff relating to the mobile um, a piece with the verification of deposits and assets. Um, and the latest innovation that I've kind of put together with Taxdoor, which is, you know, sending out a mobile e-sign in a kind of like a disposable portal to the consumer, um, helping my clients out getting this cumbersome 4506T form e-signed and e-processed so nobody needs to touch it. So. So it's really about that same kind of concept. But when I'm talking about leveraging data, I'm talking about leveraging the data that you have already inside of a couple of the tools that you're using, right? So if you're using some of the greatest and latest tools, it can't just be a stagnant document. It's all about transferring of data. For example, TaxDoor today allows a person to e-sign the, e, the e-sign of the 4506T, and I automatically connect it through the back end into the IVS service at the IRS to pull down the tax transcripts. But what the heck does a tax transcript do for you, Mr. Lender? Think about it. A tax transcript comes in a PDF. It's a generic document, and you need to get all that data off of there. And we spend underwriters spend hour to an hour and a half per file, um, and they're hammering in to an income spreadsheet that they've developed or some guy developed the company, and it's been you know updated spreadsheets been updated six or seven times since uh, since they've been using it. But it takes them a long time to fill out all of these calculations. And then they got to look at the current calculations and everything else. So what I do is when my tax transcript comes back, I scrape all that data off the tax transcript, and I already lay it out for my lenders into an underwriting spreadsheet, all broken down with all of the income. So leveraging data to reduce touches and to reduce cost in the organization. From the lender, Andy, as you know, lowest cost to produce wins, right? And, and it's not just the lowest cost to produce, right? But you've got to double check and triple check it sometimes. So Santa doesn't come, you know, knocking you off that list, as you said. <laughs> but, but the good, other piece, Andy, back. that's really important. Yeah. So, so the other piece, Andy, that's really important is to understand about how to leverage that data. For example, when we get automated bank statements, what do we see on your bank statements? Right? We see your deposit. We see that you deposited, Andy, your check and account, and, and that your automatic deposit. We see that your wife has had another deposit, right? We see all the transactions that happen. That's just another verification of income. Do I really need to get another verification of income when I see your direct deposits? Are you deposited? Right? 
Um, how do I leverage automated bank statements to refresh my account if I have a situation related to um, purchase money business when the down payment is coming from a gift? I know the gift was given to my borrower because he didn't have the money in his account. I refreshed his checking account, and next thing you know, there it is. There's the $50,000 gift from daddy, right? So, um, and I know David's going to do that for his daughter. As soon as she gets out of college here, he's going to give her 50 grand to buy a house. So, um, exactly. so, <laughs> so, so these are very important so. things, right? So why make people go through this, 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 this paper-driven process when we know it's a better way? And I guess, Andy, to prove my point even more, it's not so much the mobile device. It's also the iPad and the tablet and everything else that, 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 that gets this done to make it look better for the consumer. But isn't it kind of expected nowadays? I mean, come on. If you go yeah. to a mortgage website, I think, I think Sam mentioned something or no, it was Joe that mentioned something today about somebody's website or I forgot who actually mentioned it, but somebody had a website and he said, oh, geez, the website wasn't so good. And, and it's kind of a turnoff, right? We don't go today, uh, and people, we're all searching on Google. We're all checking out our originators. Heck, we're measuring our realtors. We're, we're measuring how many loans they've done in our little local market and everything else. We want the data behind it, not just the realtor marketing, right? And so we want to check everything out about the property. So what are we doing? We're going to Zillow. We're learning everything about the property. Heck, the lady, sta- the, the, the realtor standing inside the home basically doesn't know more than what you already know when you walked in from what's on Zillow. So – so in a way, technology is moving to the part now where it's enabling consumers to be more confident. And now it's allowing the originators with their mobile tools to be more confident in the field. And now folks gain confidence that the originator is using these right tools. Now you've got the best of all in, in, this, in this little scenario. Well, I love your passion. I love your energy. It's exciting. It's, it's, it's uh, contagious. So uh, I know we have – time we have to watch as we're on the clock here uh transition that 30 seconds on how you then push that out leverage the concept that i know joe's got some questions as well um yeah i just think i think today um i'm really talking about the effects on the business right i'm trying to help my clients and andy as you know a bunch of clients that we know together i'm trying to help them be more efficient and have positive effects on the operation so a couple quick things to wrap this up in 30 seconds Consumer experience. It's all about instant delivery and reducing friction. It builds brand awareness for the, as, uh, for the, for the originator because now it looks, makes him look like a technology originator, which builds confidence, which builds referrals, which builds customer reviews. Very important that we're missing here in the mortgage business, reviews. I know a lot of people put them on their sites, but do you have public reviews out on Google, out in Yelp, out in Zillow? Do you have those reviews? Because people are reading your reviews. And quickly, the effects on the operation. When you travel and use these type of tools, you improve fraud control. You lower lending risk. It speeds account verification. It increases employment verification. It reduces processing time, and it increases conversion ratios, and you also get direct from source data that can't be screwed with by anybody else. So yeah. I think those are some <laughs> really big 30 seconds on yeah. this topic. It's the technical terms, exactly, screwed with. Good job, Joe. Awesome. <laughs> good, good. That's good job. Joe, I'll let you throw just see if you want to get a fit in one question here before we have to go out the door here, wrap this broadcast up. I want to let you get in with anything you might have. Great. Joe, you just mentioned risk and uh, lending risk, which is yeah. good to hear that, that it could be improved uh, or reduced. Um, the What about other risks, like one, data risk, obviously, and two, regulatory risk? How do you view all this the mobile environment in those regards? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. Um, and uh, you you have to go through uh, additional risk and security pieces when you have uh, stuff out there on the mobile. Um, that's very important for regulatory purposes and everything else. We actually own a CRA. Um, so we have additional I3PA type certifications. Um, we do a lot of uh, additional certifications than just a normal mortgage company would do. So security is like super, super important. And, you know, it constantly has to be updated. And if you're dealing anything in the mortgage business today, you know that if you're a vendor dealing with a lender, the, the number one thing you're concerned about is your vendor management package. That's what takes all of the time it seems now for some of these larger companies to be approved. So thankfully I don't have any problems with that, but, but I, I think more of, you know, lending risk myself, uh, Joe, um, because I am a lender 
I've been a lender my whole life, and I've always been trying to reduce risk. And one of my mentors, Jay Meadows, in 2009, I said to him about these, these tax return issues. I said, hey, Jay, why can't you just reissue this tax finance report like we do with mortgage credits to my lender? I mean, I'm selling the loan to Wells Fargo. You're Wells Fargo's biggest piece. Why do I have to pull the 4506T, and then they have to pull it too as well? Can't we just do that? And secretly, I know why Jay wanted to be – you know, not, not provide that innovation at the time because he's making a killing. I mean, why would you do that? But um, me and my business as a lender, I'm trying to reduce risk. And, and I always thought it was funny in this wholesale business that we would allow this, this, this broker to pull the 4506T, have the PDF sit in their digital vault, and sending it to me for me to sign off. Uh, I don't think so. I want direct from source data. That's why with TaxDoor, you get direct from source data from the IRS. And with account check, you get direct from source data from the institution. So nobody can screw with that information. That lowers your overall risk and increases the magic word here. And I think Andy will love this is, and Alice will love this, is that it improves purchase certainty. And that's what it's all about yeah. in today's environment. Yeah. Oh. It is without a question. We're out of time here. I just look at the clock. It's just so frustrating how fast these t- the, the program goes. We really appreciate you getting a hold or dialing in. Uh, Joe Darlene, Joe Farr as well, and Alice Alvey, Andy Shell, everybody. Want to touch base real fast. If people want to reach you, Joe, what's the most effective way for people to get a hold of you? Uh, Joe at TaxDoor.com. Good. Check it out. Then also the best website to check up on all of this is uh, Cronus Solutions. If I C H R O N O S Solutions dot com, right? That's right. Thank you. Or is it? Yeah, good, 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 excellent, folks. So good to have you all with us. Appreciate you tuning in, Joe. Thank you so much for being here, and Joe and Joe and Allison, Andy, and and uh, everyone else that makes this program possible. Really appreciate it. Next week we've got coming back on the program. We have got Mark Fleming talking about some housing statistics. It would be real interesting to hear what the latest is, some of the data data has, and he's also going to be talking about data they now have available. So. Mark Fleming will be joining us at Backstreet Economist for First America. Good to have you with us, everybody. For those of you heading to Ohio for the conference, look forward to seeing you there. Have a great rest of the day, and see you back here next week when we have as our special guest, Mark Fleming. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Elvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening.